Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday after Epiphany for the week of February 5th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited. How have we gotten to February already? It's been a quick-moving year. It's been a fast-moving year. It's been pretty amazing in a lot of ways, and as we're wrapping up January, there is the potential as I am recording this still in January, of probably having this be the most listened to month ever in the podcast. It's been really fun to watch and look at from a metric standpoint. We finally this last week had one day where I didn't have someone listen to the podcast, which it had been nearly a month. So that was pretty exciting to actually watch. And so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking this out. I'm excited about what we've started here with 2023, and I'm excited to see where it ends up. So Before we jump into the text for this week, let's look back at what we wrote up for last week's question of the week, which was, when looking at the Beatitudes, are you looking beyond the human experience? And I think it's one of the things we really struggle with. We put up our own obstacles. There's things that we put in the way. There's different things that we put in front of it. And some of it, we get our own human experience stuff gets in the way and liabilities and different things of that nature. Sometimes it's inconveniences. Sometimes it's we don't want to look ourselves in the mirror and really look at the seriousness of what's going on. And I think in a lot of times this can actually really limit us and really hurt us in the long run and we don't even realize what we've done until it's gone. And that's what, for me as a still younger person on this planet, I at least see myself that way, I think we're doing that. And I'm looking at things and noticing even in my lifetime how much things are changing and certain things where I question if that's the right decision. And yet, how often it's, no, this is the status quo, or no, these are the decisions that have been made, or no, these are the ways that it's always been in the way it should be. And the question that really can't get answered is why, and I think it's something, especially when we're digging into what you'll see kind of the text this week, I think it's a question we really have to ask ourselves. Because the way that things have been doesn't necessarily fit with the way that we are told to look at and interpret scripture. But I think also fitting in with the science side of things, that's not how we're told to look at science. We're constantly told to grasp and go for deeper understanding. And that means we got to get beyond where we're at at this moment. So let's just jump into it this week. The first reading is out of Isaiah chapter 58 verses 1 to 9a and optionally 9b to 12. And this is a period here where the prophet is kind of questioning what are the people of Israel doing? Are they doing things out of habit? Are they doing things out of ritual? Are they doing things because this is the way it's always been? And questioning in that same breath, are you then missing the opportunities to actually, what we would say as be the hands and feet of Christ, to be who God has called us into being because we're so focused on following what we're seeing the letter of the law to be, that we're not constantly looking at things and reevaluating things and that we've fallen into this habit of this is the way that things have been instead of looking at, is this where God is calling us into? The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 112 verses 1 to 9 and optionally verse 10, which then completes a good section of the psalm 
And I understand why 10 is optional. It's kind of a difficult psalm when you add in that last verse. The wicked will see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. But it's this idea of how we should have this yearning for doing the Lord's work and realizing that within that, in doing that, that that's something that then is coming out of us. And so this recognition of the optional verse 10, kind of the opposite side of that, but realizing that when our light is shining and when we are being who God has created us to be, that then we are able to naturally be doing these different things. The New Testament text this week is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and optionally 13 to 16, which then finishes out the chapter. And we continue working through 1 Corinthians here. But this is kind of, I think, a big turning point, especially with where we'll be going with the gospel text. But it's this understanding of what Jesus Christ crucified did helped us to re-understand what God's wisdom is all about, understanding that what we had been written and what had been stated was then fulfilled in a new way, causing us to be able to look and read scripture differently because of how Christ crucified meant when it was written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And thus being able to see then what that meant, realizing that's the fulfillment of what has happened and then recognizing that then that is propelling us forward to be able to read these texts and look at these texts in a new way, but also being able to help instill and give us an insight more and more into God's character. The alternative verses then, 13 to 16, then get a little bit into looking at the different spiritual things and gifts that have been given and how then if we are given these gifts, we then should be able to utilize them to be able to do what Christ is commending us and wanting us to do, being able to live up to that fulfillment. So then being able to understand because of what Christ has done, then we have been gifted with these gifts and we then should be utilizing them to be able to become the people who God has called us to be. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 20. This section can almost be broken down into two sections in and of itself. The first verses 13 to 16 is kind of giving this analogy here that Christ saying that we are the salt of the earth, but what are we if the salt has been removed? That we're a city on a hill that we can't be hid, that putting your lamp under a bushel basket, and we have to remember this is an oil lamp at this point. You wouldn't put it under a bushel basket. That's a fire hazard. No, put it on a lampstand so that all can see. And so then Jesus kind of gives then, what is this all meaning? What Jesus was talking about, and especially at this point, was being seen as anti-establishment. And Jesus isn't saying, I'm anti-prophets. I'm anti-law. What I'm telling you is, Look at the law differently. See this law and realize that now a lot of this is being fulfilled so now we can breathe new life into it. That this is becoming this living document as we talk about scripture being. That this then is allowing us to be able to continue to work with it, mold with it as we are 
continuing to understand the character of God, to be able to understand God at a deeper level as we continue to look through these scriptures, as we are understanding who God is more and more. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, or commentaries, or discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction, along with looking at all the different resources that are over there. And so I'd highly recommend, if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, to check that out. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt Divinity Library. I really like it how they lay out the text week to week, but I also really enjoy how they have art, hymns, colors, other ways of looking at these texts and thinking about these in new and creative ways. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that. Tradition. It's hard. Tradition is something that can be very sacred and something that we hold close to and something that is very valuable to us. But it's also the weighing of when is tradition getting in the way of actually understanding where God is wanting us to move. That's the hard part of tradition. Realizing what has served its purpose and what needs to be reimagined and what has the tradition actually continued to serve the people and bring them closer to God in a new and different way? Or it's continued to be something that is of service. It's the whole idea, and especially as our world has been wrestling with this idea of business as usual over the last few years, I think the term business as usual is being looked at in a whole new light because of what we've gone through with the pandemic and realizing that there is parts of work that can be done remotely and questioning what work has looked like. These ideas of questioning and thinking and pondering and pushing the boundaries of what we understand is not just what Jesus is doing in this text, but it's something that as Christians we are called into, and it's something that science does absolutely beautifully. Because part of what science is about is questioning, asking questions, realizing there aren't bad questions, running experiments and seeing this may not result in anything, but we can at least then rule it out. And yet, sometimes when we're trying to push those boundaries, yes, it doesn't lead anywhere. But sometimes when you're pushing those boundaries, it's there when we have great breakthroughs. It's there when you start realizing that there is something here. There is something that challenges our understanding of things that pushes the boundaries. Let's dig into it a little bit. So one of them that's not necessarily the newest of news, but it's still within the last 10 years, and I think it's pretty important, was an article that I stumbled across coming out of UC Irvine, University of California, Irvine, talking about nanobattery technology and where you had a doctoral student of Maya Lee Tai being able to look at rechargeable battery technology. So Ty then found when she had the gold nanowires in magnesium dioxide, which is then part of the battery, which then was covered in a plexus-like electrolyte gel, that when doing this, the degradation on the battery didn't seem to happen. And in fact, the more and more they tested it, the more and more they realized this doesn't seem to be killing this battery. In fact, they're able to basically have it recovered 
all the way to what it was prior. And in doing that, then it reduces the understanding and the depreciation of the battery. And especially when we look at a lot of electronic devices in which the world in which we're in, one of the major reasons on why we decide that we are upgrading a device is because of the battery isn't as good anymore. The battery has depleted. It's one of the things right now when we're talking about electric vehicles that there's a lot of discussion about is this whole idea of battery degradation and what's going to happen to all these batteries when they're dying. When they're going through something and that the batteries continue to degrade, what do we do with these old batteries? Which there has been some innovative ideas, but also the idea of what do we do with these vehicles then? We have to keep all these different battery standards. Or if you even look at smaller electronics like laptops, pocket computers or cell phones and all these different electronic devices around us, it becomes easier for us just to dispose and buy new instead of keeping what we have. And what does this then also do? If we were able to have a battery that isn't degrading, now you have another reason on why we need to be able to have right to repair. This also then forces manufacturers to be thinking in a repair mindset, forcing us to be able to potentially upgrade devices and being able to look at ways to be able to repair and make things better, especially if the battery isn't the cause of that. This is a huge change to industry, a huge change on how business would be done. And so there's points where we put up this obstacle. And yes, it's great that we've had this major breakthrough in technology. But what other obstacles at times are we putting in our own way? Getting back to a little bit of the question for last week. But what can this also mean? Are we reinterpreting how we understand batteries and being able to manufacture batteries in a way that then is better for the environment and better for a world long term? Is that worth doing? Another way that I found this was another article that I stumbled across this last week looking at solar panel technology. And by making photovoltaic, so photoelectric or electric typical solar panels of a electric crystals that they're realizing that this could potentially increase the amount of production of electricity by a factor of 1000x and what it's actually doing is the efficiency with silicone is limited but when you start adding a ferroelectric which means a material that is spatially separating positive and negative charges the charge separation leads to asymmetric structure that enables electricity to be generated from light and this then would not require a so-called PN junction to create the photovoltaic effect. In other words, no positively or negatively doped layers, which is kind of how things work at this point. This makes it much easier to produce solar panels coming from physicist Dr. Alaska Bartner of Martin Luther University, Hal Wittenberg. So this whole idea then of being able to relook at and reimagine how photovoltaics would work and looking and even using new materials to potentially be able to create a way more efficient solar panel, thus being able to redo how we do electric infrastructure around the globe, making this yet again more and more possible to be able to replace major sections of our electric grid. What other obstacles lay in the way of us being able to do this? 
is tradition and how we've done things because it's easier, in quotes, to do, limiting us from the understanding and the ability to be able to actually move and modernize and do something innovative. I think in a lot of places, this text hits hard within our social climates because, yes, science is all about testing and trying to go through a process and constantly trying to think creatively and think outside the box and ask questions. And I think in a lot of ways, this is what the Matthew task is getting at. It's calling out the scribes and stating that just because you're stating that you're following the law to the T of what was written to Moses and the tribe of Israel does not mean that that's exactly how I'm planning on you interpreting it hundreds and thousands of years later. I'm planning that that relationship is growing and that you would then be able to understand more why I did that, to be able to understand more of who God is, to be able to then be able to retranslate this and move forward with where I am trying to steer you. When I look at how innovation and science is looked at, and we've talked about this before in the podcast plenty, there's certain times where it's like, oh, cool, new devices, look at all these new things that phones and the cameras within phones and all the technology that's within that is there. And wow, science is so amazing. It's so awesome. And then at the same breath, when you're having where there's negative science things, where they're taking and looking at and looking at models, and it's not exactly the way that people would like to see it, and it's causing us to be challenged, then it's suddenly not good. That's those moments to me when are we just holding up tradition for tradition's sake? Are we stating and looking at things in a way that's not actually helpful? I don't think this is purely like a science and political problem. I honestly think this is one of the biggest problems that Big C Church is struggling with right now. The idea we even with all these different denominations as we are trying to figure out how do we actually connect with God in the best possible way for that community means that sometimes something that worked before doesn't isn't going to work long term. And this idea of clinging on to the way that things have been is hard. But it's also that evaluation and weighing, how do we also balance tradition? Because there is some times where tradition is needed. Because that familiarity helps us make it easier for us to get in the mindset to be able to connect with God. I think this is where the church struggles. The times that we question on what do we hold on to, what do we not hold on to, What do we change? What do we challenge? This, to me, is very similar to a lot of the different things that go on within science in and of itself. And if we look back to the Isaiah text, or even what Paul is stating in the letter to the Corinthians the first time, they're challenging these ideas of these preconceived notions of what we understand things to be. Our understanding of who God is, the understanding of what God looks like, what God is expecting of us. Paul especially saying, now that we have fulfilled this part of scripture, now that we have seen, we have heard, we can recognize this, how are we now re-understanding these texts? How are we re-imagining and re-understanding the church? Science is constantly taking in new data and trying to reimagine and re-understand, well, what does this do? How does this impact me? How does this impact the field that I'm working within? 
what new hypothesis can come from this discovery. This is exactly where we're at with faith. This is exactly where we're at within the church. This is exactly where we're at as a world. The ideas and things that we've held, there are ones of wisdom, of value that are worth holding on to. And there's ones that they no longer apply. I don't know many people who are still driving around a 1930s Buick. There's a few, but not a ton. So it doesn't necessarily mean that every person needs to be having a manual to a 1930s Buick and how an engine is working. There's going to be a select few where that is very applicable to the work in which they're doing, especially if you're working on a 1930s Buick. But it doesn't necessarily mean, without looking at that, that that helps me understand where we've come from. It doesn't necessarily mean it's not helpful in helping me understand the basic fundamentals of how an engine at least kind of works. But there's only so far that that can take me. I think within our own world, within the place that we're in, how are we reinterpreting? How are we looking at things and trying to understand what is new that we can take out of these texts? How can we look at these things differently? And how are we going to go out and continue to reevaluate and challenge ourselves in how we're reading these texts? How are we going to challenge ourselves and reinterpret how we worship? How are we going to challenge and reinterpret how we understand what faith looks like now in the 21st century? Because there's been a lot of change. And I would still argue there's a lot to be done. And the scary thing is, is we're almost a quarter century into it. So the question I have for you is where are we going to challenge and reimagine our faith? Where are we going to challenge and reimagine our faith? Because we have to start at that question to be able to even get to worship, to even get to the different traditions and practices. We have to understand where are we going to actually try to grow. Jesus is saying you're not held by these in the same way that they were held in the past because the relationship that God is developing with us, that the reason that Jesus is there is to reestablish this relationship in a new way. Can we not get beyond that ourselves now? Because I feel like there's a lot of places within the church that we are in that same spot. And these types of texts should be challenging and hard because it means we need to reimagine or re-look at what the church is. And what does that actually mean? And that isn't easy stuff. Reimagining and re-picturing what faith looks like in the new century and really diving in and trying to strip away what tradition and what things are no longer working or connecting with people, that's not easy evaluation. But yet, if we look at the biggest breakthroughs within science, were not easy questions. It was not easy evaluation. It was hard. It was sitting there reflecting and contemplating, and sometimes it took a long time to even show the work of what was being done. That's what makes it hard. As a church, as a world, we're sitting at the brink of a lot of these conversations. And I think the question and something that I feel coming through what we've gone through in the last five, that the pandemic I think kind of brought out, is we need to be able to sit and actually work through these questions. Because when we do, we can do amazing things. But so often, we know it's hard work, and so we'd rather sit and figure out ways to distract ourselves 
or figure out ways to get around it or do the easy thing instead of necessarily the right thing. Brothers and sisters of the faith, this is something I think we really need to look at. This is something I think we really need to challenge within ourselves. Because in order for us to understand where God is then trying to help us reinterpret and re-understand and to develop that relationship in a new way and to move where God is wanting us to move, we need to be able to look ourselves in the face and get our hands dirty with this thing called faith. It's something we expect out of science every day. So why aren't we doing it with our own faith life as well? So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.